0: Log Talk Radio
1: Welcome to Pagans Tonight Radio Network, the voice of the pagan world. Pagans Tonight is sponsored by Witchschool.com, your anyone, anytime, anywhere magical education. Uh, hello and thank you for tuning in today. Uh, I am Michael Greywolf, artist, traveler, all-around geek, witch, and brother-initiate of The Unnamed Path.
2: And I'm Matthew Sidney, songwriter, storyteller, mystic, and initiate of The Unnamed
1: Path. And you're listening to Walking The Unnamed Path. On this podcast, we discuss the teachings and techniques given to us by the ancestors of Men Who Love Men and laid out by our late founder, Hyperion. We also touch on topics and ideas pertaining to queer pagan men in general. We're glad you've decided to join us today, and we hope you'll be part of the show by either by calling in at 347-308-8222, or you can hang out in the chat room, which I'm trying to get to open, but it looks like it might not be working, uh, or you can drop us an email at walkingtheunnamedpath@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at walking__theup, Or you can always find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash walking button unnamed path. Now, Matthew, it's been a while. How have you been?
2: I'm doing very well. A lot of positive things are happening already for 2018, so I'm very excited. Um, I've been very inspired creatively, so there's a lot of uh, creative activity going on. Uh, Things are moving forward with... Um, my uh, material and financial goals, and I'm just mostly blessed to be surrounded by the people um, who I have in in my life. I, I'm I'm not only do I have great friends, but I'm surrounded by people who I'm learning from all the time, and constantly meeting people who uh, have so much uh, to teach, and it's it's just been. It's just been really great. How are you doing?
1: I am doing pretty well. Uh, at the moment, I'm actually not in my regular setup. I am currently back in Champaign, Illinois, uh, visiting my boyfriend this weekend. And yay! <laughs> uh, yeah, yay! And I'm actually uh, I'm having to borrow a laptop. And I was like, you know, I got the laptop. It's a Mac, which I have not used in a while. And I'm like, there's no slots for my microphone. <laughs> I am currently on. I'm currently using my phone and using a headset. Okay. So hopefully everything sounds all right for everyone. Um, but yeah, other than that, I am doing pretty good. Uh, the new year has started pretty well for me, actually. Uh, not just me, but for members of my family and you know my significant other. So you know starting pretty good you know i I did a, I did a what's the words i'm looking for i did a new year reading for this year and it was you know lots of good information and a lot of like you know what you need to do and you know you need to get up and do it i'm like okay oh good awesome (laughs) Uh, i actually typed it all out and i posted it to my blog which i might share to the facebook page so we'll see but, yeah,
2: you should. I haven't seen your yeah. blog. I'm interested. It, it's
1: it's when I say blog, it's actually my Tumblr because I just whenever I try to get to my actual blog, I'm like, okay, gotta sit here and type, and I could get distracted. But for some reason, <laughs> Tumblr it's easier to uh-huh. post. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, other than that, pretty good. You know, I I have you know got stuff that I'm trying to get lined up for walking the my path, and then also trying to get stuff lined up for all acts of love and pleasure, and just so many other things that I'm wanting to get done this year, so that's got a lot on my plate, but hopefully I can get it all done, Um, and speaking of, you know, stuff that I want to get done, today's episode is a topic that I've been wanting to cover for a little bit, um, talking about hexes and curses and self-defense, you know, particularly in magic and, you know, pertaining to the unnamed path. Um, And we have two fabulous guests on the show with us today, Um, two people who have been on the show before, our fellow initiates, uh, Hazel and Chase. Let me go ahead and bring them on, you know, using a Using a Mac is so different from using my laptop.
2: <laughs> it's okay. You that before. should be
1: Hazel. That's me. Can you <laughs> hear me? And that should be Chase.
2: Yeah, we can hear you.
1: Yay. Yay!
2: Hello. Hi, Chase.
3: Greetings. Hello, Ernie. Hello, you
1: two. How have you been doing?
3: Pretty good. Thanks. I'm just enjoying the unusually mild uh, winter up in Portland. It's been not so bad, so uh, Trying to get some outdoorsy things done and uh, start the garden super early this year. So
1: awesome! And it how is... are you feeling, Chase?
0: Ah, and... uh,
4: it's been a week. <laughs> <laughs> better, I'm better. It's been a week, but I'm better. Yeah. Currently, I'm I'm enjoying so... I'm enjoying hot tea in my blackout curtains avoiding this mild
1: wind, mm. winter and sunshine up in Portland. <laughs> so, oh, that's, that's always good. <laughs> so, you know, with the topic today, you know, I'm pretty sure everyone's going to have, you know, little bits to say. So, you know, just so we can keep everything organized, uh, whenever you're wanting to, you know, jump in, and so listeners can, you know, tell the difference between all our voices, you know, why don't you say, this is... Hazel with his chase, you know Matthew Michael, and you know, let's you know start from there, <laughs> sure so so how would everyone here define a curse?
3: This is Hazel, and a curse to me would be a magical working or operation designed to bring about. Uh, restriction or damage to someone else.
2: And uh, this, uh, this, is... this is, no, go ahead, Chase. Uh, sorry, this is Chase. I
4: would say that uh, I would define a curse as being something um, used to bring about um, either damage or um Perhaps not necessarily restriction, but to increase the likelihood of bad luck in someone's life. Um, yeah.
2: And and this is Matthew. I've I've a follow-up question. Um, how, in in your opinion, it is curse just an, another word for hex, or is there a difference between those two things? This is Hazel, and I've
3: never seen much of a difference i think hex is more of like an american cultural term but i could be wrong about that Um, but i've never really seen them uh, to be different animals so to speak uh
4: yeah this is chase i've normally seen a curse uh, a curse and a hex as being more or less interchangeable um the only difference that i could maybe say is that a hex is really more focused around um non-specific bad luck, I think, in in more popular culture, Um, whereas a curse is, like, specifically a um, I hope that X, Y, and Z happens to this person.
1: Mm. Okay, that sounds like, that makes sense. mm -hmm. And this is Michael. For everyone here, you know, how would you define a binding?
3: This hazel again and i would say a binding is a magical operation designed to prevent someone from engaging in a certain activity um it could be as you know broad ranges prevent them from doing harm uh you know all the way down to very specific like prevent them from harassing a specific friend or uh, engaging in a certain type of behavior that's problematic so it's more of a prevention that blocks them from doing something whereas the hex is more something that's actively designed to cause them discomfort or bad luck or injury should they uh, engage in certain activity. Um, This is Chase.
4: I would actually completely agree with that definition. Um, And in practice, um, I would say that for me, at least, the more effective bindings usually come with a, um, a hex or a curse as sort of a, if you do, X, Y, and Z behavior, then A, B, and C, bad result will happen.
1: Mm. And, you know, I just realized I should have pointed out, you know, right before we start, you know, all four of us are initiates of the unnamed path, and in the unnamed path, we do not have any prohibition against using hexes curses or bindings on other individuals. You it's, um, how would, see, you've, you've explained to me a few times, Chase, and I cannot think of the, you know, you've, you've put it so eloquently in the past. (laughs)
4: Um, so as far as the unnamed path, and I'm really sorry about my voice. Like I said, I've had a chest cold. Um, as far as the unnamed path goes, my understanding as an initiate and as a teacher is that, um, we are all, Uh, intended to practice ethically and that's going to depend on each individual person we don't have an overarching set of morals that we do not curse because cursing is bad it's a it's an ethical standpoint of if you feel that doing a curse is in your is true to your nature um then do that thing if you do not feel that it is true to your nature then you should also not do that thing um but really it's up to the individual person. And even within the unnamed path, we have brothers who do not feel comfortable doing curse work, which is 100% okay. Um, Also, um, at least for me, there's an added layer of, you know, while it is in my nature to do curse work, um, when it is justified, I have to have certain justifications for actually doing that work. Um, It's not like, ooh, this person shortchanged me at the flower shop, going to put a hex on him. That doesn't work.
3: This is um, Hazel as well, and I kind of would echo that remark. I mean, I know, like, being trained by Hyperion, there was always a big emphasis on us as mature, independent magical practitioners, and part of that was knowing when that kind of action was justified and what kind of steps we as individuals were willing to take to take action. Uh, And so that was kind of left up to us. And if people felt comfortable utilizing curses in situations where they felt they were necessary, that was certainly something that was uh, allowed and not looked down upon. But there was also at the same time never any expectation that you would. Uh, And I think that there was so much emphasis in my training and then in my students that I taught on responsibility and self-awareness and examining one's motives Uh, to be sure that the actions that we take are indeed justified and that we're willing to live with the consequences of them.
2: Uh, This is Matthew and, and Hazel along with that. And, and also Chase, of course, feel free to dive in. Um, Can you give us example, this is more for the benefit of listeners. Can you give us examples of when you feel that it is ethical or necessary to use magic to harm or hinder another person? That is actually a great
3: question. And uh, it it delves into some things that are a little personal to me that I don't always give all the details out on. But um, in general, uh, in my mind, if I would do something in the mundane world, I'll do it in the magical world. And um, the situations where there's no other course of action to take because the people either out of our reach or are technically not breaking the law or other avenues have been taken, and they haven't resulted in the proper uh, outcome. That I think it would be um, justified. But uh, touching on something that Chase talked about in an earlier comment, for me, it's always been linked to behavior. And so, when I've needed to use curses, there's always been the sort of you know rider in there that this will only be in effect as long as you engage in this behavior. Uh, mm-hmm because that way it's linked to the problematic, uh, the problematic thing that they're doing and not to, um, you know, uh, just a general long-term thing that, that teaches them nothing. Uh, but I'm sure we've all had situations in our life where we've been aware of an injustice or been the victim of you know, gossip or slander that started to really hurt us, and sometimes that's really the only way to respond is magically.
4: Um, so this is Chase, and I would uh, echo most of that. Um, <clears throat> I would say for in terms of specific instances, um, for me, things that are almost always justifiable um, to do curse work with is um, in defense of children hmm. um, and in defense of those who cannot defend themselves, which um, <clears throat> sort of neatly ties into doing social justice work. Um, but also um, in certain situations where um, any kind of physical action or material um, action would have uh, undue consequences. Um, for example, if your, um, if your boss is treating you poorly um, and, you know, threatening your job, for example... Um, doing curse, doing a curse or doing a binding on your boss, because, you know, I really love my job. It's just this one person who's making my life hard. Doing that work and saying, you know, I'm binding this person from causing me to, you know, leave this job. I'm binding this person from doing work that's making me miserable at this job. Um, And sometimes moving that into, I'm doing a, Hoodoo has a wonderful thing for that, which is hot foot, um, which is basically yeah. this person is making my life miserable and I want them to go away.
1: Their blessings mm. lie
4: all around them, just not here. So they can go mm-hmm. somewhere else. Um, and it works wonderfully. Um, but, yeah, generally for me, it has to have some kind of justification of behavior. Um, if a person is doing something that is not, you know, decent behavior that people do to one another, you know, then if I can take physical action, cool. Um, if I can't take physical action, going to do magical work. And also frequently, if, I'm gonna, if I can do physical action, going to back it up with magical work also.
2: Uh, this is Matthew again, and, and I'm going to jump around a little bit in the interest of time because at the last minute, uh, I was sent some listener questions, and I definitely want to be able to address those. And but before we get to that, I do want to touch on um, something that I think, at least in the the, the interwebs, the, uh, conversations of the, the debate have gone on round and round and round, and that is uh, resistance to these kinds of practices within the magical community. And, um, you know, we, I don't think we have to get bogged down with, with uh, pop culture and things like the rule of three, but there's a general sense among many practitioners that um, there's a, a, a direct relationship of whatever you do to another, whatever you send out is going to rebound, and therefore uh, people of that philosophy are of the firm belief that it's never um, – wise to hinder or harm another because you're ultimately going to be doing that to yourself. And what are your guys' thoughts on that philosophy? So this is Chase. Um, I have strong
4: feelings about this. Um, I get uh, frequently uh, into long, protracted internet arguments with people about this particular subject. Um, I feel like, again, If a person has a – if you have an ethical objection to doing curse work, then don't do it. Um, But if somebody else doesn't have that same ethical objection, don't dissuade that person from doing it um, because it's ultimately about them and not about you. Um, I feel like a lot of – I feel like a lot of that – a lot of that behavior and a lot of that mindset comes from people in – um, shall we say, traditional Abrahamic religion, of if you do things, you will be punished for them. Mm. Um, Hyperion was very fond of saying that when I do spell work, the consequence for my spell work is that my spell happens. If I, do a cur- if I cast a curse on someone, the consequence of that is that that person is cursed. Um, I-, I think that the idea of, you know, not doing baleful magic on someone because you don't want it to rebound against you um, is all well and good from a science fiction fantasy novel perspective because it gives you a plot device. Um, but uh, in, in reality and in practice, I don't see that happening. Um, if that were the case, then we'd have a lot of dead or imprisoned bankers. We'd have a lot of CEOs who were, you know, dead or homeless. Um, yeah. We would have a lot of politicians who did not have jobs anymore. Um, and clearly, we don't see that. Right. Um, so, you know, there's not, a lot of, there's not a lot of observational evidence for doing bad things results in bad things happening to you. In fact, there's a lot more evidence to the contrary of when you do bad things to other people, provided it's not bad enough or if you have the resources to defend or obfuscate that nothing's actually going to happen to you. Um, I've read somewhere in the past, and you'll have to forgive me for not having my references immediately available, um, but that magic is often the recourse of the poor and the oppressed. Um, Rich people can afford lawyers. Yep. You know, rich people can afford, rich people can afford to take advantage of the systems of, you know, the the systems of quote-unquote justice that we have or the systems of, you know, finance that we have. Poor people don't have access to those. Um, The oppressed are specifically denied access to those. Um, And all too often we see that trying to play within those systems when you are a person who is poor or oppressed just results in you either becoming further oppressed or more poor.
2: This, this is, is Matthew um, again. Oh, I was sorry. Like I, Hazel, go ahead, because I do want to hear your, your perspective. Oh, I'm sorry.
3: sorry. Well, thank you. That's fine. No, thank you. I would concur with pretty much um, everything that Chase said. Um, I would say that, like, I wouldn't necessarily agree with the statement that many or most magical practitioners have uh, concerns about cursing. Perhaps in some of the more visible neo-pagan manifestations of that situation – Um, But I know in, like, a lot of the more folk magic-based traditions, there's no such, uh, you know, inhibitions at all, and it remains an active part of most people's uh, practices. And um, if you look at history, to be sure, I mean, some of the oldest surviving magic that we have uh, are curse tablets and curses against various people in power or people who were the, you know, cause of harm or were the subject of envy or any number of things. So. There's no really debate there whether or not curses are traditional because they are. Um,
0: they're probably
3: right. right if they would love magic is the two most traditional, commonly utilized uh, right. magical, you know, goals out there. Um, and I don't really understand the modern kind of pop culture neo pagan prohibition against ever using any kind of magic that might do people harm. Um, and I think about consequences. It's all about intent, and I do think to some degree that what you send out there is the kind of person you become, and ultimately what you attract to yourself. Uh, you know, kind people who try to do well can not become victims of, of bad things to be sure, but they tend to attract other kind people to themselves. The negative people tend to attract other people that perhaps are negative. Um, but again, it's all about the intent, and when people tell me, oh, you can't curse the person that wronged you, or attacked your loved one, or you know, stole your, you know, whatever, stole your money, whatever you want to think of it as, or the person that's making laws that are designed to oppress you, you know, or the system that keeps you down and doesn't let you have the same rights other people enjoy, you'll be punished. Like why would you be punished for taking an action uh, in defense? Um, It's like I tell people, you know, if somebody is breaking into your house and you hit them with a baseball bat, in defense of yourself and they are killed or or injured are you going to feel guilty about that have you done a wrong thing uh when you were defending your life against somebody who through their own actions brought that response on themselves Uh, and that my mind using that a curse in that manner you know in, in a situation where you need to protect yourself is very different from you know if you take a baseball bat and attack your neighbor because you just don't like them uh, and I know in the first situation, I would not feel guilty at all. And the second one would be something way outside of my ethics, that I would not engage in it. Um, so I, I don't believe that there's different laws for, oh, you know, mundane versus magical behavior. I don't think you're punished for defending yourself magically when you wouldn't be uh, in the day-to-day world in most cases.
2: This is this is Matthew again. And first, Chase, I want to applaud you um, because a lot of what you said resonates with things that I've been thinking about lately and perspectives that, that I've come to. And, you know, really the way I look at it, it's, it's action. If I, if someone steals from me and I hire a lawyer and sue them, I am taking willful action to rectify the situation, but maybe I'm someone who can't afford a lawyer and so I resort to uh, magical working to manifest justice. Again, how is that different morally or ethically? Again, I'm using my will to affect, to manifest something to rectify a situation. And you know I think in in the a lot of people um, in in the magical community and and you know i'm going to be a little brutal about this the magical community is filled with people who aren't well educated in the history and lore of magic you know there's a lot of books out there that really don't dig deep into hazel you mentioned the curse tablets um and a lot of people just aren't aware of the history and, and and the provenance of what they're doing and and i think also you know chase you mentioned the you know lots of times magic is the is the only resort that, that poor and oppressed people have and you know to tell people you know i think for, for society to tell people you know don't don't you know don't use magic to defend yourself that's wrong i i think that in itself is an injustice i think that in itself is a form of maleficium if you're programming people to to choose helplessness and if you're telling people that they can't defend their loved ones with whatever means are at their disposal, then, then that's actually a very cruel thing to do um, and, and questionable in my mind. And, um, this
4: is, um, and this Hazel, is
2: Chase. Yes. Oh, sorry, go ahead.
4: Sorry. Um, so in terms of, you know, in terms of all of that, I, I think that, um, you know, I have a couple of, I have at least one specific example of using that sort of curse to rectify a theft Um. Where, you know, a curse was placed upon some items that were stolen from a shop. Um, the the people who stole the items proceeded to have exceptionally bad luck um, and then brought the items back because they wanted the bad luck to stop.
0: Mm. Like, we've done a
4: bad, you know, we've done a bad thing. Our life has fallen to shit after... this bad thing has happened we know that the people who are at this shop are all witches and clearly we've messed up please make the bad luck stop you know uh worked really well all of the items got you know came back um I, i think that um the the some of the roots of this you know idea of oh, we mustn't, do, you know, we mustn't do curse work. You know, it, there, there are roots in different places for it. You know, some of it is a lot of people who come, I think, to paganism have been victimized by previous religions. And so there is a certain mindset in there of victimhood um, and also of not wanting to be victimized by others. Um, and so in order to make that happen, they try to control the people who are around them. Um, you know, frequently people who mm. do not feel in control of their own lives try to control others. That's right. you know an easily observable and frequently repeated thing that happens. Um, I also think that to some extent, um, the idea around not doing you know curse work or you know we're just we're just tree loving you know dirt dirt worshiping hippies like we're we're all, all about we're all about Mother Earth and. Love one another and light and and harm none is because of fear. Like we don't want the Christians to burn us at the stake, you know. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, to me it it reeks of it reeks of privilege. It reeks of white privilege. It reeks of class privilege. It reeks of privilege, because frequently most of the people who are telling others to you know, oh, send them light and love are white pagans who are usually the more affluent of pagans. Um, Even historically with organizations like the Golden Dawn and other ceremonial, you know, ceremonial magical organizations were run by white people who had money, who could go on trips and go, you know, explore the world and bring back all of these, you know, all of the knowledge of different cultures and try to cram them down the throat of everybody else um that's you know that's a legacy that we have running through the veins of most of neo-paganism and you know sometimes that can come out in really insidious ways i think that you know the attempted prohibitions
2: against that is one of those ways that that comes out that's true and one thing i noticed out i'm sorry hazel go ahead
3: I was just going to say, yeah, this is Hazel, and I would agree with what uh, she says. I think the uttering down of witchcraft, and as you commented, like a lack of understanding and knowledge of tradition and where we actually came from, um, there was a big drive to make witchcraft and paganism seem socially acceptable, because there were quite a few laws, you know, making it illegal and people could be prosecuted and thrown out of their homes and whatnot, But in that process, they tried to trim out anything that might offend, uh, you know, middle America or the Gentile society. Uh, And in that process, I think things kind of lost touch with the actual roots. Um, And I also agree with Chase that people coming in from, like, other systems like Christianity have simply brought that mindset with them and replaced their gods with whatever pagan gods they choose to follow – But they still have that, you know, turn the other cheek, thou shalt not, you know, you're going to be punished if you do anything to defend yourself or, you know, stand up for yourself. I think they bring that mindset with them, and they just operate the same way under a new mantle. Um, And, of course, it's not a helpful way to think. Uh, I don't think it's good, and I do think that, like you both have commented, it does an injustice to the people that actually suffer under these regimes and in bad situations by telling them that even the resources they have available to them magically uh, will somehow result in them being punished. And not only do I think that's not true, I think that's just barbaric and wrong. Um, there seems to be almost like a fear of actual power in a lot of the neo-pagan yeah. witchcraft community. And I know for yeah. being a witch is about being powerful. You know, it's, it's about controlling my life and having the things that I want and taking care of myself and the people that I care about. And uh, I think being powerful means making those kinds of tough choices. It's not about sitting there emotionless while other people abuse or mistreat you because some sort of outside other tells you you'll get you know, a smack on the butt if you stand up for yourself. That's not what being a witch is for me. That's not being powerful. That's just being afraid
2: you know hazel i i've noticed that too do you have any ideas where that um fear of power fear of embracing power might come from The fear of embracing power yeah, yeah i think part
3: of it again comes from i think there's a number of different factors i do find like the number one thing in my mind is the influx of people who have been kind of burned by conventional christianity and uh well, this is an oversimplification. You know, a lot of Christianity theology is based around humans as being inferior uh, sinners who have to beg forgiveness from an outside God, lest it punish us uh, and send us to hell. Uh, you know, and there's a, a lot of emphasis on forgiveness and turning the other cheek and uh, you know, loving those who wrong you, and very little, I mean, at least mm. in like, the conventional theology, about standing up for yourself. And uh, if we look at history, I mean, for a long time, The Christian church in its various forms has been a tool of the nobility and the rich to oppress the poor uh, and those not in power by telling them, you know, oh, just be quiet and do what we tell you. Give us your money, work in our fields, obey your king uh, because they're better than you, and when you die, you'll get your reward in heaven. But in the meantime, you know, uh, just don't speak up, don't stand up for yourself, uh, you know, don't do anything to better yourself because god doesn't want that god wants you to be meek and humble and you'll get your reward later on
0: uh right. which is a great way
3: to keep a scared populace in their place and i think and that some the, of that mindset has come into pagan as long as like what chase commented on the whole love and light everything is kumbaya let's all hold hands and be happy and that's a great thing in, in communities where that kind of thing is possible But we have to look at the world around us and see that love and holding hands and singing is not going to fix uh, the very real injustices that we are facing. And uh, I think that really it's the people who don't have to worry who are able to stick their heads in the sand like that.
2: Well, this is Matthew again. A little bit of feedback. I'm getting messages from listeners. They are loving today's show and they are
0: (laughs) appreciating (laughs)
2: (laughs) – Yeah, appreciating Chase and Hazel, they are appreciating you guys so much. And I want to start getting to listener questions. Um, uh, So one person asked, um, Chase and Hazel, please comment on the Bind Trump folks. And I believe he's referring to the Bind Trump official Facebook and Twitter presences, um, which uh, Michael Hughes Is a part of Michael Hughes was the, I think, one of the first um, public people to come forward and talk about binding uh, Trump? You want
0: to go first, Hazel? Oh, sure. Take a deep breath. Yeah. Uh,
3: Well, I think, honestly, I don't know as much about it from a personal level, but I think it's a great thing. Um, I'm glad to see. Uh, people standing up and doing something publicly and making it known that they are working in the best way that they have uh, to prevent this person from doing any more harm. And so far, ultimately, I think it's working. Um, At first, I was kind of ambivalent because I am not one for public displays. You know, my traditions I'm involved in, uh, at least the one that's my main daily practice, tends to be a lot more private and personal. And I'm not somebody who does a lot of uh, public speaking or likes to be up in the center of attention. But when I thought about it, I'm like, you know, there's times to be private and quiet, and there are times to be public and take a stand. And this is a time to be public and take a stand. And I'm glad uh, that we have a response to all of the right-wing, you know, nanny about praying for Trump and making sure he can do whatever uh, his nightmarish agenda of the week is. I'm glad that we have a response to that, and I'm very uh, happy to see so many other occultists using the skills that they have and that we have available to us to say, no, this is not okay, we're not going to be silent, and we're going to take action uh, spiritually, uh, even if the same can't be done necessarily on the mundane world at the moment.
0: Um, And and this to add?
4: Um, I don't really have a whole lot to add. I haven't re- been particularly active on the public side of the Bind Trump official pages. Um, I think that it's awesome that they're happening. I think I, I love the fact that people are willing to stand up and publicly say, no, this is unfucking acceptable. Um, I think that the public faces work great to, you know, draw attention away from all of the people who are working privately to make sure that, you know, as many of us as possible make it through this nightmare. Um, you know, the, the, the people who are working in, you know, the privacy of their own home, the people who are working, you know, in small groups to do things. Um, I think that those are very important. Um, my only... Um, my only real concern with any of the bind Trump stuff is that Trump is only one ugly pimple on this ass of a administration. I mean, he's a big one, but there are a lot of boils on the ass of this administration. Um, And I think that um, working to render them as harmless and as um, uh, buffoon-like, I suppose, as Trump has been, um, would also be great. Cough, cough. Jeff Sessions. Cough, cough. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me. I've had a cold. I've had a bad cold. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the people who are the people who are not you know, the people who are not standing in front of cameras and, you know, frothing obscenities but who are instead moving around in the background and making deals and you know, passing laws and having, you know, immigration officials raid 7-Elevens in California because that's not racially motivated at all right. um, you know, the the we're going to start prosecuting people for marijuana offenses again because that's not racially motivated at all, no, certainly not um, you know those people are doing real harm. Not that the stuff that Trump is doing and saying is not also doing real harm, but I think that you know, it's good to have some people who are focused on Trump. It's also good, I think, to have people who are going to focus in other places. Um, and yeah. I think, to some extent, the idea that everybody has to focus completely and on Trump right now and for always isn't necessarily as
2: helpful. Mm not the best mm-hmm. strategy. Yeah. So wh- while we're, we're on that topic, um, and we do have more questions, but I wanted to share something that uh, author, which member of the LGBT community, Storm Fairy Wolf, posted on January 4th. Quote, I know that many people have assumed that because Trump is still in the Oval Office, that the magic done against him must not have worked. But in the short time he has been president, his mental capacity has degraded. He's getting worse. The stress is getting to him. I feel like the bindings are working their charm. He's largely bound, getting very little actually done. More magic is warranted, unquote. Um, and I, the reason I wanted to share that was because he posted that, and it triggered a really interesting thread. A lot of people were commenting. A lot of different people were commenting with different perspectives and different opinions. And to me, reading the responses was really a window into the zeitgeist. It really um, was educational for me to get a sense of what people believe about magic and what people believe about um, what magic is and isn't and how it should and shouldn't be used. Um, Some of the things that came out is that uh, uh, some people uh, have the feeling that there's no use trying to do anything against the administration because the prayers and psychic energy of the evangelicals uh, is shielding them from everything, and they're completely, <laughs> you, know, um, you know, and, and that other people feel, well, you know, since he's a quote-unquote anointed president, that uh, the presidency is equivalent to the sacred kingship of the land, and therefore he has the blessing of the spirit of the land itself. Um, I don't necessarily believe these things, but this is what other uh, members of the community think. And uh, to me, it's fascinating. Um, and, of course, I, you know, I want to put them in a schoolroom room and, and, you know, and you know, explain to them other ways of looking at it. <laughs> but I just wanted to bring that up because I think some of our listeners may sometimes feel a hopelessness or feel that, oh, this person you know, has so much protection and so much support. What can poor little old me do? So this is Chase. And I
4: first want to say that that's part of the reason why I love Storm and why he is my teacher in the fairy tradition. Um, Because, yes, all of that, exactly all of that. Um, I think, and my way of looking at it, and, you know, also having been brought up in the Southern Baptist Church, having been brought up Mm. in in the evangelical religion and their faith, like, the thing is, is that in order for those sorts of prayers to work because evangelicals are fond of doing what they call praying a, a hedge of protection around someone. And it's actually quite effective. If the person they're praying for is actually a true believer, mm. um, the person who is being prayed for has to actually be a believer. If they are just doing it for show, or if they are, you know, false prophet, you know, false believer, et cetera, et cetera, cough, cough, Donald Trump, cough, cough, um, <coughs> cough, cough, Pat Robertson, cough, cough. Um, it doesn't work. It, it, it's, it's so much wind in, in the desert. It really has no effect. Um, at worst, it's a mild speed bump. Um, the, you know, the, the evangelicals can pray for him all that they want to pray for him, but because he is not, by any stretch of the imagination, anything remotely like a true believer, it doesn't do anything for him. Um, it might make the evangelicals feel better because, you know, they're trying to anoint him as a sacred king or whatever, but that, that's not really how that works, and I apologize for the noise. I'm making some more tea so that I can continue talking, um, so, the um, as far as like being a sacred king, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, so, if anybody's actually done any research or has any kind of you know historical or mythological background into what sacred kingship entitles or entails, um, well, I, that's yeah, not something to yeah, enter into lightly, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, and you know, the, the, land is a direct re- the land is a direct reflection of the relationship that that sacred king has and the duties that that sacred king is performing. And, gosh, we have, let's see, hurricanes and wildfires and, you know, generalized devastation that's been happening. Yeah. And the land is beyond not the uptick.
0: amused.
4: The land is not amused. And I'm not saying, you know, but also a lot of that is caused by, climate, man, you know, man-made climate change. Right, But also, the spirits of the land are not amused. Um, and anybody who's who spends any time in actually communicating with the spirits of the land, they're not amused. They're not mm-hmm. amused. Um, so, you know, good luck with that sacred kingship. Because the other thing that <laughs> happens, you know, to the sacred king is at the end of his reign, he gets sacrificed. Like, yeah. people know that part, <laughs> right? Um, like they're they they did they read that far into the myth or did they just go ooh sacred king what a romantic concept?
0: Well, um, I don't
2: think many young people read the golden the the uh, the golden bow, uh very much anymore. I mean, you
4: know, I, I feel like maybe they I feel like maybe it needs to be on some kind of required reading list. I'm just saying. <laughs> um well, but uh, certainly as certainly as pagans like. Go read things.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Actual well, this is things. Hazel, this is don't
4: just read The Mist of Avalon.
3: This is Hazel, and like there was actually an idea that what they called the sacred or the divine right of kings, which is distinct from the sacred king uh, concept. And the divine right of kings was the idea that the king was put there by God and therefore was not uh, subject to any earthly authority save God. And so everything mm. that he did uh, was just and good and could never be criticized because God put him there. And the only person that could take him out or punish him for his behavior was God himself, which, of course, is very convenient for the king because mm. nobody can call them out on, on their bad behavior or their terrible
2: actions. Uh,
3: and we find that even early on, but the idea starts to decline later. Um, and we've seen like the same concept applied to the pope and different other temporal leaders um, right but, I and mean, I see the idea that like a god would put somebody in the place and they could do no wrong is ludicrous uh, right I, know and, and I think only my traditions I've called it out when I if we apply
2: that yeah if we apply that model to the United States it falls down because if you believe in, in divine right and you believe in the kingship then really in this country, the sovereign authority is the citizen and the president and every elected official takes an oath to be a servant. So if, if, if there's any magical truth to this at all, then that means that those of us who uh, are citizens, um, we're the, we're the Kings and Queens, so to speak. And all these people who are robbing us, Morally, magically, ritually, rightfully are our servants and are expected to do our bidding.
1: And didn't we sort Just of say it?
3: country to get away from the king anyway? I mean I think Trump – I don't know what Trump <laughs> thinks he is. I don't think, I'm sure he thinks
0: he's a king. He oh, yeah. He
3: doesn't care it that way.
4: Basically, yeah, we don't we don't have kings. We don't have kings here. Um, <clears throat> we don't do we don't do kings. We did kings for a long time. We don't do kings here.
2: So um, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's not you know people need to stop romanticizing the Middle Ages because it really isn't the the best model of running things. So we have more questions. Uh, I want to be fair to our listeners. Um, so uh, someone has. Heard, you know, heard a phrase from educators within the community: "Safe hex." Um, do you guys think there is such a thing as safe hex? This
3: is as, what? Sorry. Um, safe hex. Yeah. Like, haha,
4: safe oh. sex, but safe hex.
0: Oh gosh, yeah,
3: um, I, I didn't quite get that.
4: So this is Chase. Um, I was actually, you know, I was actually having a really, I was actually having a conversation um, with a coworker about this uh, just yesterday. So this is a pretty timely question. Um, So I often liken the, um, the, the, our body and our souls um, as, uh, with the metaphor of a car, right? So our, our physical body is the car that we drive. The, the, our lower self or our shadow self is the fuel that we put in the car. Um, this is why in the ending path we're so focused on doing shadow work during our um, apprenticeship because dirty fuel in the car means the car doesn't run well, right? Clean fuel means that the car runs well. Your, your middle self or as, the, as Ferry puts it, the, the talker or talking self, that's the one that drives the car. That's the one that that knows how to operate everything. And your higher self is your GPS, right? That's the one that knows where everything is at, has the big overview of all of creation, and knows how to get you from point A to point B. Um, And when you're working with all of those three things, working smoothly and working together, you get from point A to point B smoothly and efficiently, right? So sometimes the best way for you to get from point A to point B for example, if you're doing a curse, is that you have to go through the mud, right? You know, you have to go off road, and you have to, you know, you go through, it and your car gets dirty. This is what happens when you do curse work. Your car gets dirty. It picks up because you're 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 working with the. I don't want to say negatives because I don't like the connotations around negative, but you're working with the. the the more base emotions like anger and fear and hurt, right? So you're, you're, when you're doing a curse work, you're really digging into those emotions in order to motivate and energize this curse, because that's where you're, you're coming from, right? Is that, that lower self or that, that serpent. And so when you do that, you get muck all over you or you get muck all over your car. And so, if you don't want your car to continue being dirty and to continue getting dirty er you take it and you wash it you clean your car so you know when you cast a curse on somebody you go afterwards and you do cleansing on yourself um and get all of that residual magical muck off of you so that you've because you're 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 fulfilling a function to the universe the universe says A curse needs to happen. You're the one who knows how to do it, so you're going to do it. Do the thing. Afterwards, you're done. So there's no reason to continue focusing on it, because all that does then is bog that down, much like doing any other spell work, right? Remove yourself from attachment to your outcome so that your spell can work effectively. Um, So yes, I absolutely think that um, safe hex is totally a thing. Like, Do your cleansing practice after, but also do things like
1: divination
4: to make sure that you're doing this curse because it's something that actually needs to be done and not because you're in a moment of peak. You know, um, it's good to have, or it's proper, I suppose, to have emotional motivation for doing spell work of any kind. And Hyperion talks about this often in his podcast about using your emotions to fuel your spell work. That's, that's how you do it. Um, but you don't wallow in those emotions while you're doing or after you're done. You know, you, you bring them up, you motivate your spell, and then you let them go. <clears throat> um, that's how you stay balanced and in your car, as it were.
3: This is Hazel, and I would um, agree with that, uh, completely um, I would add to it that you also have to kind of look at the risk versus benefit ratio you know and sometimes when things are tough and there's a lot of injustice you'll have to do things and get your hands dirty and uh, I think it's all about intent and uh, what you're willing to do and sometimes taking a stand and doing the right thing isn't safe and isn't harmless and can have repercussions for yourself uh, I don't believe that curses result in like oh you know you're going to be punished but I agree with Chase that when you have to put yourself in touch with anger and, uh, you know, feelings of righteousness and hurt, however justified, I mean, that's still a very powerful thing to work with. And so I do think the cleansings are important and uh, that kind of self-care is important. But um, also, again, I want to harken back to the idea that we all are individual magical practitioners and we need to be trained enough and confident enough in ourselves and our abilities that we know when to take action. And um, personally, when I see people being hurt the way we've seen them being hurt in our country during this present administration, I'm willing to do what is necessary magically uh, to lend my part, even though it means that for me, you know, I have to get into things sometimes that maybe do have a bit of a blowback or uh, I'm not always necessarily
2: keen to get into quickly without careful thought. And Hazel, that, what you, your comments uh, dovetail with the next listener question. He asks, do you think some of the fear in the community surrounding hex work has to do with a lack of knowledge and lack of willingness to educate people about how to work hexes?
3: Well, I Hazel again, and I, I do think so. Again, it's very... In my mind, there's two different schools of thought. There's the idea of Neo-paganism as like a religious tradition, and then the witchcraft tradition, some of which are neo-pagans. And um, there's kind of the mindset in some people that we need to make paganism in its various forms, like Christianity with going to church on Sunday and being on the school board and having everybody, you know, accept us, and regardless of what that means that we would need to sacrifice in our own traditions and giving up our power, so to speak, because a lot of this, the undertones of these kinds of claims that we shouldn't do magic uh, is giving up our power. And then there's the mindset of, you no, know, we're witches, and being witches means that we have the power, and witches traditionally have always been outsiders. It's always been the funny guy that had the funny eye that nobody talked to or the old lady who was a midwife and knew how to do abortions you know, or the person born with flame red hair—they've always been outsiders. And I think that if we don't embrace our outsider standpoint and acknowledge the fact that being powerful and being a witch does include curses, uh, and you know, embracing our history, like I said, I mean, there's no debate whether or not curses are something they've done in the past. Then I think we're going to get um, shoot ourselves in the foot, so to speak. And I think that people's fear about educating people in terms of, like, curses and defensive spell work is based more upon their desire to be socially acceptable and to be invited to sit at the table with all the other conventional patriarchal religions uh, versus mm. any real love for magic or understanding of magical theory and how, uh, how magic works. So I think it is based you, on ignorance.
4: You, you, mean, you mean kind of like LGBT assimilation?
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, we need to get we have to get rid of things that might make straight cis society uncomfortable. You know, we don't want trans people, we don't want drag queens, we don't want whatever because they might make straight cis society uncomfortable and then we couldn't, you know, go sit at the Baptist church on Sunday in our suits and you know, Easter hats. But our
4: pride parade has to be family friendly.
3: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: why, why, why
3: <laughs> isn't, isn't the point of being a witch the fact that we are different and have powers other people don't have? Why do people want to be like everybody else? Why is that even a good thing? Whether you look at it from the LGBT community or from the witchcraft community, why is being bland and socially acceptable held up as like the pinnacle of success? What's wrong with being ourselves and being powerful on our own terms in the way that we are? And that's what I emphasize in myself and my students and much more over the idea of, like, let's make this a generic, you know, modern religion that will offend no
2: one and accomplish nothing. So oh, you don't want question. it to be, like, gray mush? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we have a listener question, and this is about our outsider status. Um, and how can pagans, especially men who love men, find strength in the daily chaos and help others find solace in the wider LGBT and pagan communities?
4: So this is Chase. Um, the, first thing I, the first thing I would say is that we need to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves. And I don't necessarily just mean like going to a spa and being pampered or, you know, making sure that you're put together and clean. I mean like really taking care of yourself, um, you know, we, you cannot give from a well that has run dry. You have to replenish your well um, and in order for you to help other people, right? You, you have to make sure that your needs are taken care of first. Um, that also means doing things like, if you need therapy, you should go to therapy. Like, work on your issues. Work on the things that are, that are holding you back or that are restricting you from being the most you you that you can be. Um, I try to avoid saying things like becoming a better you or becoming, you know, uh, a a good person or whatever, because good and bad are kind of largely meaningless and relative. Um, But being more who you are, right? You know, we talk a lot in the Unnamed Path about um, our ethics and that our ethics require us to be in a state of constant introspection in order to know what our nature is, we have to know what our nature is. We have to look at ourselves and, you know, we have to ask ourselves these questions. Like, you know, even if it's only rhetorical at the moment or theoretical, would I be okay with cursing someone, you know? Um, and this was something that, you know, something that came up on a group the, or group chat the other day um, where people were talking about, you know, hexing and cursing. Um, and for me uh, as, as horrible and cliche as I'm sure it is, I tend to look at magical practitioners and these sort of, like, social justice warrior kind of situations, I look at it like uh, an MMORPG. I look at it like a video game, okay? Everybody has their own specialty. Everybody has their own niche that they are most comfortable and most powerful and most comfortable working in. And while it's good to be able to, you know, move outside of our comfort zones and to, you know, explore and learn new things because that's how we grow as people and that's important. Also, you know, <clears throat> all of our different parts are necessary. Um, you know, I, I don't dissuade people from being healers. Being a healer is one of the things that got me into the study of magic at all, actually. The, literally the first spell that I ever did was a healing spell. Um, my particular knack happens to be for doing curse work. Um, I do good curses. Um, Hazel is one of the other people in our, in our little tribe that people go to when they want to put a curse on someone, you know, usually it's me or Hazel. Um, cause we're good at it. <laughs> um, but some people are good at healing and, you know, that's necessary, and some people are really good at being tanks. You know, some people are really good at, you know, being the one that stands out in front of everybody and soaks the hits. So that the fragile people behind who might be better at healing or who might be better at doing curse work or who might be better at, you know, community act you know, community organization or whatever else aren't having to take those big hits and are able to keep standing. Um, you know, so it's, I think one of the things that in addition to taking care of ourselves as men who love men and as a community and as a tribe is that we have to learn what our strengths are and we have to be able to play to our strengths. Um, we cannot all be the same person. We cannot all be healers. We cannot all be cursors. We cannot all be all things all the time. We have, we have gifts and we have talents in common and we have gifts and we have talents that are ours or that are. Um, that are more prominent in us than are in other people. Um, our brother Ken, for example, and I'm going to put you on glass here, Ken. Um, our Ken is, I, I like to call him our resident astrologer. Um, I have not really met anybody with the possible exception of our other brother Bill, who is as knowledgeable and deeply, and as deep seeing when it comes to doing astrology. Um, that's his gift. That's his talent. Um, he's also really good at money magic. I'm terrible with astrology. I cannot possibly keep all of those things in my head and I'm not great with doing money magic. So when I need stuff, when I need astrology work or if I need money magic work, I go to Ken, you know? So we need to take care of ourselves. We need to play to our strengths, but we also need to network with each other so that we know And I know this is something that's been brought up in the past, especially when we transitioned into this administration, was that, you know, a lot of the networking of the days gone by, you know, the the gay community in the 70s and the 80s is not how the gay community is now, or the LGBT community is not how it was back then. Um, We don't often always know one another, and we don't always have the same sort of social networks where, you know, if somebody's having a hard time, that they can go to someone. Um, you know, we often suffer with a lot of isolation, and that's something that we really have to overcome so that we can be actually a community with each other. Okay, I'm sorry.
2: I ranted long enough. I'm dead. Jay, <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> I think that was a, an excellent answer. Um, and, and I also think you have a new fan, um. Uh, but I'm not going to name names. Uh, so uh, I have to run. I have uh, an appointment I have to be at, but uh, if you guys have time to continue the talk, please do, because I know the listeners are loving it. And I'm thinking maybe down the road, we should do a follow-up part too, because I think there's so much we could explore and so much we can help educate and and. It sounds like a lot of the listeners are really thirsting for this.
0: Hmm. I think it
2: to would, hear. Be, so a that would be a good idea. would be a wonderful
1: idea. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it would just be a good idea to go ahead and, you know, say, let's go ahead and call it a day, because I think Hazel was telling me she might have something she needs to go do. So, and I'm actually, you know, I'm t- t- I'm, blah, blah, I I'm can't speak. Uh, You know, I'm up here visiting my Boyfriend, and I'm actually, you know, not seeing him at the moment because I'm on the show. So, <laughs> I, so I think yeah, right here would be a good, you know, with Chase's wonderful monologue that was amazing, Chase. Um, that's a good place to stop, and I will us out with a song. Um, but we will definitely have to get us all together, maybe even some more of the brothers or some other guests on, and do maybe a larger discussion on this type of stuff because. You know, this is something that we definitely need in the community. And it's definitely not being put to good use at the moment. <laughs> well, it's putting, you know, the buying Trump says, that's awesome. But you have so many people that are afraid to get into this type of work. So, yeah.
0: I'm game. I think I'm for nice you know, thank
3: you for having me. It's been a really nice conversation. By the way, it's been a really nice conversation. And I'm glad that people have found uh, interest in it. And hopefully, let's like, help a few people out somewhere.
0: Yeah,
2: this is so. Magic. I'm Chase and Hazel. I want to. I want to thank you guys because I really learned a lot, and um, I'm looking forward to doing this again.
1: Yes, yes, we will get this scheduled for uh, you know curses and hexes part two. <laughs> uh, we'll get this scheduled up soon, but let's go ahead and you know since we were talking about you know the whole Trump binding and whatnot, let's go ahead and play out with. Uh Celia. Uh red, alabaster and blue. And thank again, thank you, Chase. Thank you, Hazel, thank you, Matthew, for you know you know, getting this uh show scheduled. I'm so happy.
0: <laughs>
1: he is a young
0: African American male. By the time he hits draft he might be dead or live in jail. And he found his life of crime When they said no child left behind He's an American too She is 90 with dementia all alone Well, the family couldn't take it So they put her in that home And now she withers down to bones At night she gently me She's an American too She is a young a refugee She's four with child If her daddy finds out He will grow insanely while They say they understand her plight Call themselves the Christian light She's an American Alabaster and I'm blue. And I'm an American,
1: too. Again, that was Celia, Red, Alabaster, and Blue. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in today. I am Michael Greywolf and you have been listening to walking the unnamed path you know, if you have any questions about today's show if you would like to you know send us some oh well, yeah if you'd like to send us some questions you know for our follow-up show that we will be scheduling soon please send us an email at walking uh, the unnamed path at gmail.com or you can hit us uh, sorry or you can hit us up on tw- Twitter at walking underscore the UP or you can always find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash walking the unnamed path. And I hope you all have a blessed Saturday, you know, a great weekend, and, oh, and before I forget, we do have our next couple of shows already scheduled. So next, our next show, which will be uh, January 27th, we have Orion Foxwood talking to us about Very Seership, and in February, we have Um, Sister Unity, after Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, coming on and talking to us about sacred storytelling. So we're so excited for those two shows coming up, and we hope you will join us. Again, I'm Michael Graywolf, and you have been listening to Walking the Unnamed Path. Have a blessed day. And if I can just get to the ending.
0: You're listening to Pagans Tonight. Pagans unite on Pagans Tonight. Many paths, one network. For over five years, we've been the place to connect with the best, brightest, and most trusted voices in the pagan world. Every night is Pagans Tonight.